I've just returned from uh, being away for two weeks, uh, mostly in Utah, participating as part of a 12-person relay team running 200 miles to raise money for Episcopal Relief and Development. Uh, I'm not sure why I signed up for that, but I survived. And uh, thank all of you who supported that effort. And then I was a visitor to the General Convention of the Episcopal Church, which just concluded last Friday. And rather than preach a traditional sermon on the scripture passages for today, I want to share with you some of the highlights of General Convention and what's going on in God's name in the Episcopal Church and how that relates to our life here as Christians and as a community at St. John's. I also think it's important uh, as an Episcopal congregation for us to remember, at least from time to time, that we are in fact part of a national uh, denomination, uh, which is also part of the worldwide uh, Anglican communion. And so we are, have mutual relationships and connections to Episcopal churches throughout the country and Anglican churches throughout the world. The General Convention of the Episcopal Church is really the governance meeting of the Episcopal Church and it happens every three years, and it's, uh, you may know that uh, the people who sort of created the Episcopal Church happen to be the people that created our government. So the uh, Episcopal Church is essentially modeled in the same way that the United States Congress is. There's a House of Bishops and a House of Deputies and all this legislation that I won't bore you with uh, that functions somewhat similarly. And uh, the General Convention is one of the largest voting conventions in the country. I think after the Democratic and Republican conventions, it is the largest in the country. For me, I cannot tell you how amazing it was to see thousands of Episcopalians descend upon my hometown of Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) I think the Episcopal population of the state tripled for two weeks, and it was really uh, an amazing experience. One of the great highlights of this convention was the election of a new presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Every nine years, the Episcopal Church elects, the House of Bishops elect a new presiding bishop who is sort of the spiritual leader and head of the National Episcopal Church and is, uh, presides over the House of Bishops. And at this convention, the bishops elected and the House of Deputies uh, concurred with the election of Bishop Michael Curry, of uh, the Bishop of North Carolina, who will be the first black presiding bishop in the history of the Episcopal Church. And he was elected in a landslide on the first ballot, which I'm told is the first time that has ever happened. So Bishop Curry's amazing. He's a phenomenal preacher. And uh, in fact, uh, I'll be quoting his sermon. And everyone that had to preach this Sunday was like, oh, man, (laughs) after hearing uh, him preach. People joke that Episcopalians are afraid to use the word Jesus. That we'll talk about God all day long, but we can be hesitant to say the word Jesus. Jesus. Well, that's all about to change with Presiding Bishop Curry. 
His message is all about how we are part of what he calls the Jesus Movement. And the Jesus Movement is all about transforming the world. And each one of us is part of that Jesus Movement. Each one of us. It is hard to describe the enthusiasm at that convention about Bishop Curry serving as our presiding bishop and how he will build on the incredible work our current presiding bishop, Catherine Jefford Shorey, has done and uh, the hope and excitement for the future of the Episcopal Church. Another milestone of this convention was the passage of marriage, true marriage equality in the Episcopal Church. Prior to this convention in the Episcopal Church, there was a right of marriage for opposite-sex couples and in most dioceses, approval of the blessing of relationships for same-sex couples. What has happened now in the Episcopal Church is that marriage is available to all couples throughout the Episcopal Church, opposite sex or same sex. Uh, It was a huge moment when those resolutions passed, especially because they came right on the heels of the ruling by the Supreme Court. And there was a lot of, even though uh, there's a lot of respect about those who disagree with this, and there were dissenting opinions and a lot of honoring of differences, an incredible amount of excitement that the Episcopal Church has embraced true marriage equality for all people. One of the days of convention, people were walking around with purple scarves on. And this was an effort to highlight and lift up uh, the importance of women in the ministry of the church. And it was part of a movement called Breaking the Stained Glass Ceiling, (laughs) which is an effort to get more women in higher positions throughout the church, and especially the purple scarves, were a call upon the church for there to be more women elected as bishops to serve in our church. We have phenomenal women bishops in this church, but we don't have a lot of them. And we need more of them. And the church is structuring itself in a way so that bishop elections will lead to greater diversity in a way that will really enhance the life of the church. The General Convention met, of course, in the context of the racist murders at the AME Church in Charleston. And during the arson attacks on at least four predominantly black churches. Acts which we can really only describe as white supremacist terrorism in our own country. Through signs, buttons, speeches, gatherings, Black Lives Matter became a theme throughout General Convention. Bishop Michael Curry in his closing sermon said, God came to us in the person of Jesus to change the world from the nightmare it can be to the dream that God intends. In God's dream, all lives matter. But because we live in a country where black lives are not always valued, 
we emphasize that black lives matter in order to transform structures of racism. This was a very important message coming out of convention for us, especially on this weekend, we celebrate our country's independence and in an almost entirely white congregation in Marin County. We must confront the reality that in this land of liberty, many black citizens do not feel free. I love these words from a writer active in the Black Lives Matter movement. She wrote, This is America, the country we love. So even when we fight it, we fight on the foundation of its founding. We fight it in love. If that isn't patriotism, I'm afraid that too many don't know what patriotism is. A great value of General Convention for me was spending so much time talking directly with black leaders in our church and hearing from them about how white Christians and mostly white congregations can become allies in the fight for racial justice. And at this convention, the Episcopal Church committed itself in a significant way, financially and structurally, to racial justice work. And I pray that we will all join that work in earnest. To me, our last general convention that ended Friday was about the outward turning of the church. For all the challenges of the institutional church and the endless boredom of listening to legislative sessions, our true calling is to go forth and share the good news in word and deed. Jesus shows us the way to be who God called us to be. I will end with some quotes from presiding bishop-elect Michael Curry's closing sermon, which was on the Great Commission, where Jesus tells the disciples to go forth. Our presiding bishop-elect preached, We are part of the Jesus movement, and that movement cannot be stopped because we follow a Lord who defeated death and follow a Lord who lives. We are part of the Jesus movement, and he has summoned us to make disciples and followers of all nations and transform this world by the power of the good news, the gospel of Jesus. I don't care who you are, how the Lord has made you, what the world has to say about you. If you've been baptized into Jesus, you're in the Jesus movement, and you are God's. God's truth is marching on. Now go.